Welcome to the Age of Audio. My name's Graham Brown from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. The Age of Audio is a series of conversations with thought leaders and changemakers in the world of audio. That's podcasts, radio, and social audio, converging with big data to create engaging and authentic content for a new generation of listeners. So tell me about guesting. I love what you're doing with Podmatch. And I, I think you've really identified a space that there's a lot more people that want to get into podcasting than actually want to create one, at least. Yeah. And so the market's a lot bigger. Tell us about, what's your overview of the market first? You know, what, what kind of research insights do you have about that market as well in terms of why people are doing it and so on? So when I, when I look at podcast guesting, I realize that there's a lot of people that they probably initially have the thought like you and I of let, let's start a podcast, right? And you know how it is the first time that you ever decided to start a podcast, or maybe you didn't have this overwhelm, maybe you're some kind of superhero. Um, but I looked at what it would take and not understanding it all, I thought there was gonna be a lot of dollars involved. And I knew for sure there's gonna be a lot of time and education involved. And so when I looked at all that, I was like, ugh, I don't know if I want to do this, but I really do. So I just decided to go for it. But I think that many people, they look at that and they have a product or service, and that's why they want to start a podcast, because they want to talk about that product or service. But when they start looking at it, they're like, oh, I can't do a podcast and my product or service, but I would still love to be on podcast. And they've got to be getting guests from somewhere, right? So I think that people just kind of had that revelation moment where they're like, okay, maybe I don't need to start one. Maybe it'd be better if I just jump on some shows. And I really think that that's where that started from, was just people hearing great interviews and deciding, oh, I could do this as well. And I, I imagine it starts with a Google search is probably what happens. Mm. Yeah. And the ROI for these guys must be pretty high. I mean, you know, we're preaching to the choir a little bit here, but it, it's, you know, you don't have to set up a podcast. You can just drop in on a ready-made audience as well. Right. You know, this is the, the fantastic part about it, right? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's really an incredible opportunity for people. I, and I find the people that do this the best are the ones that don't just go on every podcast they can. Because there are all those people mm. that are like, oh, I don't care which podcast is about. I'll jump on it for sure. It's people that really know who they serve. And if that podcast serves an audience that's similar or the same, and they jump on that podcast, and they can speak to that audience really well, those are the people that do a really good job, have a big ROI. And they've usually, I find that those people that are doing that, they also have a very great singular call to action. Hmm. So it's not like, go to my Instagram, go to me on YouTube, go to my website, go here, I got this and this and all these free things. They say, no, here's the one thing I'd like you to do if you enjoyed this episode. Some people are building massive businesses without having their own podcast and they're just using the content that's getting repurposed for them from those episodes. People are making them content for free. It's hmm. really a brilliant strategy. I think if I could go back, um, Graham, just between you and me, I'd probably not start a podcast when I did. I would have just done a bunch of guesting first and then maybe started one at some point because right. I, I do love having a show. Right. But having a show gave you the insights maybe just start a yes. podcast. Of course. Service, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've been, you know, very interested in how this, this market's developed over the last few years. And I'm, I'm curious how you see it as, well, what's it replacing, especially... I mean, okay, so there are the people who guest on podcasts and they've been doing it forever. But there's a bigger wave, isn't there, which serves a business purpose almost. What is it replacing? Is it replacing traditional media and interviews or something else? Where do you see this matching service or these matching services eating into which budgets? 
Yeah, if you would have asked me this at the end of 2019, I would have had a different answer. But 2020 threw everyone, it's like a curveball was was thrown out there, right? I mean, it, it mm -hmm. changed the game for everything. So podcasting initially, it's it's interesting. I don't mean to, to go into COVID talk here because people hate that. Um, but briefly, I'll mention this. Podcasting dropped by about 20% across the board for the first few months of COVID. And people were like, well, it looks like podcasting's me out the window, right? It's, it's done. And then we saw a swing where it went back the opposite way very aggressively. And as a matter of fact, a lot of people that when I started looking at analytics of where people are spending their time, what form of media, I should say, people are using to consume and things like that. It was found in 2020 by Spotify that downloads of music had leveled, although there's more people getting the apps and technically having a, a, like the ability to access music and things like that. It leveled off. And what started increasing was podcasting and, of course, streaming services. Right. But I'm finding that it's really replacing a lot of the way that people used to just spend their their free time. When I was in the gym, I, I'll be real. Three years ago, I used to listen to music. I, I didn't like to listen to podcasts in the gym. I was just like, oh, I'll listen to music. Now, I, I, I don't really like listening to music in the gym. I'd rather listen to a great podcast episode so I can learn something when I'm, when I'm doing that. And I'm finding more and more people, they decide they want to consume some form of content. And many people who listen to podcasts, this was done by Forbes, a study. And I'm not going to remember the statistic exactly right, but it was upper 70 percentile of people who listen to podcasts listen to learn something new. So they listen with a purpose. So what I'm realizing about podcasts is I think it's quickly becoming the primary way that people are starting to learn new things. And it's their choice, their, their content consumption of choice, which I think is a very interesting thing for us to be paying attention to. Mm. Especially in the business space. Now yes. Oh, yes. Teaching yep. sales, right? That I imagine now you've got people who are looking at podcasts rather than let's put it into the COVID conversation as well, spending money on events. These are just not going to happen now. Like people aren't going to be doing events anymore. People aren't going to be doing uh, expos and exhibitions and, you know, like analyst lunches, all those kind of things. They ain't going to come back for years right. if, at all. Like, cause the genie's out of the bottle now. Yeah. It ain't ever going back. So I wonder now it's like, people are looking at this and think, actually, do I need to spend all that money on that booth at that trade stand? Uh, should I just get a podcast and do that? And I'm wondering if that's kind of happening. And I'm looking at the US because that's a much more advanced market. So if it's going to happen first, it's going to happen there. What are you seeing? Are you seeing people sort of switching on their sort of business activities and setting up podcasts or even guesting because of what they would have done in the past? Yeah. So I'm, I'm seeing, to, to speak to the guesting thing very briefly, I'm seeing a lot of, it not it's not necessarily the C-suite of companies, but like their marketing team. They're training these people to jump on podcast and represent the company. So instead of sending people like a sales staff out to, like you're saying, a trade show where they can go booth to booth and talk to people instead, they're putting marketing teams out and basically having them become like a, an inbound sales team instead just on podcasts. So they're, they're going out and guesting. And there's a lot of examples I've seen of people doing that. It's mostly online companies I've seen that, that do mm. that type of thing. Um, so th that's an interesting take. But also, I I've already noticed with a lot of the events because the United States is starting to, like right now when we're recording this, and I know, of course, this should be evergreen, but people are starting to go back to events. But I'm realizing now that a lot of them, they're calling them hybrid events. So the mass majority of people will be online with a small in-person audience. And so for me, example, I had somebody today pitch me to purchase a booth. And like you said, it was about $10,000 is what they mm. wanted for it. And they're expecting like less than one fourth of their previous year's attendees and the rest will be online. And so for me, I'm like, oh, this has always been a $10,000 booth. Why is it, why is it still 10,000 if there's going to be 75% less people, right? Like that's my thought process. I'm like, well, why would I not just 
do some online advertising instead or mm -hmm. do something else if I wanted to spend money on something like this. So I'm definitely seeing that. And then of course, the, the things that people used to have to do in person, right? There was all these things that you could not have a meeting that was remote. You couldn't do this. You had to be present for that type of thing, like whatever it might be, just isn't the case anymore. And I've actually, you've seen this as well. I know that people have been moving their internal conversation from HR departments onto internal company podcasts. Hmm. So their employees can listen to, I don't know if it's on a drive into work, if, if they even do that anymore, or if people are just like when they wake up in the morning, quickly listening to like a, a daily or weekly podcast for that company specifically. And obviously this is not a company with 10 or 20 employees. We're talking Fortune 500, Fortune 5,000 companies. They have a lot of employees where they want to get a message out to many of them without having to call like an all staff meeting or have some sort of retreat for everybody. Instead, they're just saying, hey, let's get our HR staff or somebody who's talented on our team that's able to just share this ongoing message with the company so we can keep the culture tight. Yeah, I was a friend of mine, Adam, is doing that for Taco Bell. I thought that was awesome. Really? That's do, yeah, cool. they can do it for Taco Bell. And I don't think it was the sales. I think it was the, uh, it would be field staff. I imagine a lot of their guys are field, you know, they're going okay, yeah. and selling yeah. the equipment and servicing, like managing the accounts. That it must be hundreds of these guys, and would they pick up an email? No. Would they listen to it? No. Uh, but you know, would they tune into a podcast like when they were traveling around in the field? Absolutely. I think that's interesting. Let's switch to the the guesting part um, because we, as a market, have become educated about the possibility of what guesting can do for us guest speaking. But I think where the the lagging indicator is of our knowledge. It's that we don't necessarily know how to be a good guest. So you talked about the training, for example. So right. that, that's one part. I mean, let, let's put the tech side away. Like, you know, get yourself a decent microphone or all right. those kind of things. But let's talk about what makes a good guest and what doesn't. Obviously, you know, let's get it out there. The obvious ones is go on there and pitch, right? That doesn't make you a good guest. People turn off. But what have you found is that what are people learning now? Actually, I need to kind of recalibrate my approach as a guest now. I need to do this a little bit differently. What are you discovering what's working and what's not? For me, first off, just to speak to the, the very beginning of that, like the pitch side of it, when you're even outreaching, for me, I can tell a lot about somebody based off how they, they reach out because I get a lot of the people that are just really general. So it's like, hey, I can talk about anything. Like I am ready to go. And I'm like, well, my podcast isn't about anything. Like it's about something specific. And they're like, oh, well, I can talk about that. I'm like, well, I, I kind of feel like maybe you can't because you can talk about everything. <laughs> and now granted, if you're going to go on like on a comedy show where people are just kind of like messing around, like comedy. Yeah. <laughs> then Graham, go for it. Have fun, right? Like that, that's cool. But if it's like a very focused podcast, like I, mine's a very focused show, mm. I have very specific topics I'm looking to talk about. Like example, I wanted somebody this this coming week, or sorry, it's in three weeks from now, I'm actually having somebody on and they are talking about how early entrepreneurs can save money on taxes. So they're going to come out like writing off a room in your house, how you can write off your internet, your cell phone, those different types of things in a deep dive. I wasn't looking for someone general who understands money, right? Like mm -hmm. I wanted somebody very specific. So I got an actual tax expert. So first off, the pitch has got to be, I think, very short, very precise. But once you're on the actual show, I hear a lot of people that just, it's going to take some, it's going to take a little bit of, uh, of learning, right? To, to figure out how to do this type of thing. And, and I'm still learning this as well. You need to learn to speak in sound bites. Like you've heard the podcast where somebody will just talk for 20 minutes mm -hmm. and it's on one question. They just kind of keep on going off of what they're saying. You've got to be able to talk in close, smaller sound bites because that's what people can digest. 
if, if I was just talking at, like, it's supposed to be a conversation, right? If I was talking at you for 20 minutes, he'd be like, mm. oh my gosh, like, can I get a word in here? We, we've all met somebody like that, of course. Oh but yeah, they do. We've, we've got to learn to be able to say, okay, how can I break down what I'm trying to say mm. in something bite-sized that somebody can take something from this that I'm saying here, and I can give the host a chance to ask me something else on the same topic or a clarifying question, right? Mm. Yeah, the outreach is a good starting point, isn't it? It's a good indicator of how this person is approaching oh, as yeah. a guest and what their understanding is of you and your podcast. Obviously, that person that says they can talk about anything, talk about money, they clearly right. don't understand what you want. And importantly, your audience. When I've done, you know, I've been podcast guesting for years and doing right. it the old fashioned way with email. And where I've really got success is where I've said the words, your audience or your listener, you know, mm -hmm. I think your, your listener would be interested in this, or they would be interested in these subjects related to the ones that you talked about in episode 17. And the people don't do anything like that. I'm surprised with these outreach emails. I, I get <laughs> that. I, I'm talking about the ones I get on LinkedIn, right? Oh yeah. From, those are the best PR agencies. <laughs> right. You know, and they'll be like, uh, yeah, I, I can, I'm, I'm an expert on blockchain. I can come on your podcast. I, I don't speak about blockchain on my podcast. Right. It's like, okay, fine. But that's kind of, a lot of people are just spamming um, podcasters, aren't they? And I think a lot of it's coming from PR agencies, unfortunately. But just these little tweets, let's talk about what works in terms of that approach email. I'm sure just a little bit of mindfulness about what the other person wants helps. Right? It, goes a, it goes a long way. It really does. That little bit of mindfulness, like you're saying, like that, that, and having some awareness of what you're pitching. To, to me, the, the first thing that you should do, again, if, if figure out who the listener is or do your best to decipher that. And most hosts will say it at some point during the intro or they'll say it in the, even in the description, just read it and listen to an episode. Mm -hmm. And if you're like, well, I don't have time to listen to every podcast out there, fine. Skim through one or two of them or look at some, some guests they have. Maybe you'll find somebody you like so you can actually see something you enjoy or find one that's on a topic that you like, that's a great place to start because then when you're reaching out, you're not blind and just guessing. It's, it's, it's kind of like playing the lottery when you just blast it out to 100 mm. people. You've got to have some idea and that gives you again, like you're saying, like the awareness of, okay, I understand this. And everyone always talks about how podcasters, like mine included, like our baby is our podcast. Really, our baby is the audience. So, I mean, you touched on that actually referencing the audience. That's the real baby. That's like what we're trying to protect. My podcast is pointless if none of my listeners ever tune in again. Mm. That's what I really try to protect. And when I have somebody reach out to me and I feel that they value my listener as well, I really, really appreciate that. Like that, that's really a great thing for me. I had somebody mm. one time, just a quick story here. I had this lady, she pitched to be on my show and I was like, this might be a pretty good fit. Let's, let's chat a little bit more about it. I explained with the audience a little bit more and she said, you know what, actually, I don't think I can quite speak to that audience. And I really want to respect what you've created here. So I'll have to pass. And I actually called her after that. I was like, I, so no one has ever done that because it's a decent sized podcast. Everyone's just like, oh, it's fine. We'll, we'll make it work. But she was very honest if, Hey, I just don't think that's quite right. And she's somebody who does it very well on the right podcast. But I, mm. I really appreciate the fact that she had enough awareness to realize, okay, that's not who I can really speak to. Mm. Yeah, it'd be wonderful if more like that. And maybe <laughs> take a more sort of focused approach in the approach as well, you know, in the sense that rather than target 200 podcasts, maybe like narrow it down to 20 and like mm. consume them, listen to them, like build a relationship with the host as well, because your numbers are going to be better at the end of the day in terms of your success rate, right? The shotgun approach is, it's a bit of a, um, 
Well, I mean, it just creates noise, doesn't it? Creates, and even if you get a podcast uh, gig with somebody who's unaligned with your audience, ain't going to work a long time. I was just going to share, like this, this is Alex. One one of the things that I do is I break down. I, I work with a small number of target podcasts, and then I would say, okay, so there's like three buckets with my categories. There's one group which is the how-to podcasts. So, for example, my my how-to specifically is how to use audio to communicate and tell stories, right? And that can be for a corporate leader, it could be for a startup founder, and so on. And so I'd find podcasts that match that how-to category for me. So it could be a marketing podcast, it could be a you know a comms podcast. And then I have the big ideas podcast. And my big idea bucket is AI, machine learning, and audio, the future of audio, age of audio, right? So I look for those guys. So there might be a podcast about AI or data and the trends in that. And then the last one is the journey podcast. So my journey is, you know, I sold a business and traveled the world for four years. So those are going to be the entrepreneurship podcast. That's sort of behind the stories. And then I'll have like five in each category and then target them and just work on them rather than like, okay, let's hit the comedy podcast. Let's hit the blockchain <laughs> podcast, which is what people do. Right? So I'm wondering like, you know, there needs to be a little bit of onboarding and training for these guys about how to, I guess in time, they're going to learn it. They're going to figure it out. Well, it might be too late because here's the thing. There's certain people who've reached out to me a dozen times pitching different clients, but I know now I don't even read it anymore because, Mm -hmm. and not to be rude, I usually do my best to read all these things, but they've done so many bad pitches that I'm not going to waste my time because they're clearly just copy pasting it. So I'm not even taking them seriously, but I do hope that more people like you're saying actually learn to to put them into buckets. I think that would be very valuable. Mm. What have you learned about... podcast guests for yourself and all the people that you've seen where you've been surprised like we think podcast guests the best ones that you know these very articulate public speakers the steve jobs types and you know the ones that join speaker bureaus but what have you found the ones that have been really good at this that have surprised you that you know now but you didn't know when you started out yeah this is a really good question so i've gone after the big names the influencers i'm doing air quotes there (laughs) that, that people go after right And some of them are great. They do a very good job sharing their story, but they share the same story on every podcast they go on. So in a perfect example, and I have a lot of respect for for Matthew McConaughey. His book was phenomenal. Mm. He let out, but he was on probably about a hundred podcasts. I didn't go listen to more than one of his interviews because guess what? They're all almost exactly the same. You couldn't get him out of the cycle because he's so trained, so Mm. conditioned for it. And I have a friend in the industry, Jordan Harbinger, who is a big podcaster. And because he's a big enough podcaster, he can say, I want to book three hours with you to record a 45 minute episode. And everyone's just like, okay, that's fine. If I did that, be like, that's ridiculous. You can have 45 minutes or 45 minutes. But what he does is he just cuts through all of that. And he says, sometimes he won't even record for the first hour because he's trying to get them out of their normal cycle. Mm. But most of us don't have that luxury. Most of us, we have to, to get on with people. And so what I've found is sometimes those influencers, all due respect to them, they're phenomenal with what they do. They're not always the most authentic for your audience. The best guest I find is the person that specifically really knows what you're looking for. So again, getting very focused, getting very niche for a specific episode and finding that person that you just have great synergy with. The people that I've had better synergy with, people can hear it, not just you. Like mm-hmm. you, you feel more comfortable in the interview, but people who listen are like, man, that was like a, that was, that was a groove the whole way through that episode. People can really feel it. And to be completely transparent here, I've maybe had one or two big names that I really felt like, oh, I, I gel with this person. This was really good. And the rest of them, 
it was like talking to a robot. I'd ask a question, they give mm. kind of an answer, but I'm like, that's your standard response. Okay, mm. next one. That's a standard response. But some people can get really into it with you. And again, they know that audience, they know that focus that you're looking for. That's who makes a really great guest. And man, all my best episodes have been with that type of person. Names mm. that if I said them right now, no one, whoever hears this would ever know who they are without looking them up, but that's perfectly fine because it's really impacted, influenced my avatar, my ideal listener. I like that. I like the groove. I think right. that's yeah. nailed it. That's the word. That's, that's the some, word. <laughs> that embodies what it's about, the groove. It's interesting that you chose an actor as well. I have a, uh, a radio DJ friend and I asked him many years back in the beginning of my podcast journey, who would make the best guest and the worst guest. And I can't remember who the best guest was that he said, but he said the worst guest would be Tom Cruise. And hmm. he said, like, you know, for the same reasons is that they won't let you in. They have, they won't let you behind the veneer of their acting world because that's their job. That's what they're really good at. They're the best in the world at doing this. Right. And yet what people really want is that vulnerability, that authenticity that you get. How, how do you do that? How do you be more authentic on a podcast as a guest? What's the key here? Because authenticity is the word of the 2020s. Right, it is, isn't it? Is there an authenticity training course out there? How do we do that? What, what sort of tips? What makes it work for you? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a balancing act because like I mentioned earlier, you've got to be good at speaking in sound bites to some extent. And sometimes that doesn't come across as authentic because talking for 20 minutes might be your authentic self, right? Mm. But so a lot of this is learned. And I'm not telling people to go out and just practice on other people's podcasts, but anytime you get the opportunity to speak anywhere, take that opportunity. Ask your friends for feedback. So something that I've been doing for, for years now that's helped me a lot is instead of sending text messages to my friends, I send little voice messages. Um, you can do it. I have an iPhone, so you can do it pretty easily. So they all get these voice messages from me. And at first they were like three and four minutes when I probably could have said it in 30 seconds, but I just didn't know how. So over the years I've gotten it really, it's me being authentic. I'm, I'm truthfully sending them something that's really meaningful, but I've just learned to package it in a way that now people can actually consume this, including my friends that are not like, oh my gosh, here's a four minute voice message from Alex, probably about nothing, right? <laughs> like it's 30 seconds, very concise. And I get my point across and people in my life, it's funny, they still to this day, like I have people that are like, man, I, I so look forward to next time I get a voice message from you. Like it's always so meaningful, it's impactful, but it's just a matter of getting the practice out there. But being authentic, it, don't pretend to be somebody you're not is what it comes down to. And do your best to, when you know your true self and you're really in tune with that, do your best to improve yourself mm. in the way that you can actually speak. Man, and I, I know you have some great feedback on this too, but that, those are kind of my initial thoughts with that. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's great. For you. I think it's great ideas as well. Like I like the voice messages. I never tried that one. At first people were like, whoa, a voice message, but it, I do it all the time now. <laughs> That's cool. I, I think the, the key here is practice, isn't it? Being a yes. good guest takes practice. You've got to put it in the hours. It's like playing a guitar or whatever it may be as a skill. You've got to put in the, not the 10,000 hours, but you've got to improve your craft. I was listening to Howard Stern talking about his journey and he said, you know, his voice, just his voice took 10 to 12 years. Wow. You know, that, that's probably the extreme, right? Yeah, yeah. But he's got the voice effectively of radio, right? But, you know, he, just getting through, I can remember my first few podcasts and interviews. I don't know what it was like for you, but they were terrible. Yeah, my, you know? I feel bad for those hosts that had me on. They said it was great, <laughs> but 
I question. I won't go back and listen to them. I'm scared right. of it now. They're buried now. But <laughs> right. they're out there. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, how do you get good at that? I, I, one of the things I've found is storytelling as well, is that, you know, when you uh, can kind of just, and, and without sort of sounding insincere, but to practice storytelling, like, you know, turn your life into scenes and into bricks, if you like, that you can build a, something beautiful out of. You know, you can take this thing that happened and practice it. And the inspiration for that came from Kevin Hart. Because I mm. heard, you know, the comedian, he said that what he did with his um, on stage is he breaks his, his uh, storytelling down into two years. And the first year, what he does, you know, he, this is a guy that fills stadiums and earns millions, right? And, you know, Hollywood movies. But the first year, what he does is he goes out to all these clubs, these sort of crappy dive clubs, you know, where people are drunk and they heckle and there's like 10 people in there. And he does those completely for the first year. And he's like, you know, standing this close to the guy sitting at the front of the yeah. row and heckling him. And he's looking at him in the eyes and stuff. He does all of that. And he says the reason he does that is so he can get feedback and he can train and he can train. Oh, that joke didn't work. That skit didn't work. And then he he gets all that feedback, his data, air quotes. And then, you know, year two, he takes all of that out to his, you know, his DVDs and his stadium performances, right? So you think, you know, I think about that. That's agile in a software yeah. sense, isn't it? In terms of like doing your thing, being a guest, storytelling. And people look at, you know, I mean, you, you're a good, public speaker, you're a good guest, you know, you've got the craft, you know, that doesn't come naturally, right? That requires a lot of practice. Yeah. I, I like what you just shared there actually about the storytelling side of things, because storytelling is a big part of it. Like earlier, I mentioned a, a stat, a, a few stats, right? No one's going to remember that without going back and listening to it again. Like if I asked like one, if someone was listening to this right now, I was like, well, let's pause for a second. Excuse me, sir or ma'am. He told me that stat I referenced earlier. They're not going to remember it. But if I ask him, hey, do you remember the Kevin Hart story that Graham said? They'd be like, oh yeah, I can remember it. Our minds are conditioned to, to remember stories. And the more you can weave them in somehow, some way is just really powerful, especially when you can do like, like what you just did, a short, concise story that really drives a point home. I think is just such a powerful thing that you can do in this. And naturally, I, like you said, I'm not much of, I've never been much of a storyteller. I've never considered myself to be. I've had to learn that over the years. And one way I've done this is actually, I still practice. So my friends, by the way, they are all like test subjects in my life. So whenever like we're, we're together, people now know, and people actually ask me, they're like, oh, Alex, can you make up a story about this? That's like right here. And I'll just like start rattling off some random story. But it's practice and people are like, sometimes people are like, wow, that was almost believable. Like I know that it wasn't true, but like that was almost believable at this point. But when I first did this, I would say the most ridiculous things and it's just getting comfortable doing that and and, and putting the, this art of storytelling into practice, just like all the rest of it that we're talking about here. Yeah, you did. I mean, you're, you, you remember your story about your 30 second voice messages? That's a story. Right. I remember that. And I think that sort of shows that, you know, it shows about you, it shows about your your journey, um, to some extent vulnerability because you didn't get it right first time. And it shows that, you know, you're doing this for your friends as well. That's a human story and people will remember that, right? Even though that might not have been intended as a sort of story, but that's kind of what people take away, isn't it? Yeah. What, what are you, um, just sort of rounding up, what are you seeing as trends in guesting? You, you're, you know, obviously we're talking about the evolution of people in terms of their approach and how they are as guests. Are you seeing any kind of like new formats? Are you seeing anything interesting? People really pushing the envelope? What, what sort of, 
what can you see from the coal face, your vantage point, I should say, in podcast guesting? Yeah. So pod, this is going to be a kind of a strange start to my answer here, but I'll, I'll work it in. I promise. Um, podcasting analytics have been behind in the times for, you know, this for a long time, like podcasting analytics are not like social media where you can see anything. You don't get a lot, but we are starting to get more. And as people are getting more, they're able to now see as a podcast host, how long people are listening and tuning in for. And a lot of people have found that people don't finish the episodes. And there's a report done by Convince and Convert. Jay Bear is a, is a guy who runs this. And he, he actually went through and did this, this study. I don't know how, where he found these people, but he was asking people who listen to podcasts and he pulled them. And more than 50% of people who listen to podcasts say the episodes are too long. Mm. And the analytics are showing that now that they're just too long. So I think that the future of, of guesting is like what we're doing here. We're not going to talk for two hours today. We're talking mm. for half an hour or less, right? That's, that's mm. all that we're going to be doing here. And that's what people can actually consume because on one topic, or if it's kind of multiple topics, that's all people can really hang on for. People are listening in the gym, they're listening on their commute, they're listening while they're cleaning the house, when they're between tasks, whatever it might be that they're doing. So smaller bite-sized with more concise guests seems to be where I'm seeing things going. So hosts are coming on asking more pointed questions to these guests. They're saying, hey, like here's the answer I'm looking for. I believe that the days of well, tell us about yourself or becoming behind us, which is, by the way, the worst question you can ask as a, oh, as a host, right? <laughs> oh, man. You, yeah, you, you got me there. Totally. <laughs> but as, as a guest, by the way, a good guest has some sort of answer for that, something mm -hmm. that they put together and package really well. Because when someone asks me that, I don't go off on a tangent and be like, well, you want to know about my childhood, my business, my wife? Like, what, what do you want to know? Like, <laughs> you know, you come up with something really short and precise, but I find that those questions are disappearing and better questions are appearing. Mm -hmm. It's becoming more and more rare for me to run into an interview that I feel like isn't good. And maybe I'm just getting lucky, but mm. I've heard a lot of really great podcast episodes from, from shows that are virtually no one, no one, they're not known. They don't have like a big social presence, but these people are getting better and better at interviewing and asking these questions. So I, I think that the, the future of it is getting shorter and turning into just better pointed questions that people can really learn something from. Mm. Awesome, man. You've been listening to The Age of Audio with me, Graham Brown, from the award-winning podcast agency, Pickle & Co. To get access to all the audio conversations and book content for The Age of Audio, go to www.theageofaudio.com. One more time, theageofaudio.com. <laughs>